0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.
1: For being here today. Please forgive me. This is my first eulogy I've ever given at a funeral. It's a bit daunting to say something meaningful to honor the dearly departed. Rest in peace. Recently, I've been asking myself what that phrase really means. A funeral is an opportunity to lament a loss, allow for a time of mourning. Jeremiah 31 says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. That scripture brings me some comfort because today I'm here to eulogize my own funeral. Yes, I said my funeral. Not literally, of course, but figuratively, metaphorically. Parts of me have perished and I've grieved the deceased. Oh, I've I've lived a good life. Very few disappointments and heartaches, but death does not discriminate. It can rain and fall on the just and the unjust. Death visited me this past year, not in a physical form, not in a loss of life, but in the form of a decision to question many of my belief systems. Like most of you, I was raised on certain cultural traditions, religious convictions, political ideologies, all of which propped up an image of who I thought I was. But I fell victim to the sin of certainty that my view of the world was the only correct one. But now doubt is my companion. Uncertainty is my guide. In addition to deconstructing my viewpoints, after 20 productive years, I, I lost a meaningful career this past year. It's been a setback. A loss of sense of purpose, of belonging, and stability. I feel a bit disoriented now, mourning the death of some of my dreams. Jesus instructs in Matthew 5, that blessed are those that mourn. But how can loss and grief be blessed? I mean, how can there be any gift in experiencing pain? Perhaps It's like the circle of life. Death gives way to new birth. Pruning gives way to fresh growth. Old mindsets can give way to new understanding. Mourning can turn to joy. So I ask you, think of the losses that you faced this past year. Maybe it was a job, maybe a friendship, a marriage sense of purpose, maybe you're facing a health crisis, can you let them rest in peace? Rest in peace is not for the deceased, it's for the living. To allow a loss to rest in peace, we must be willing to let it go and give way to healing and to hope. But what of the things that still trigger fear? and anxiety and doubt, can those troubles truly rest in peace? I don't know. But perhaps the simple act of acknowledging that they're there, wrestling within our soul, and writing them down in remembrance is all we can do. So, as part of my funeral this morning, I've written down my disappointments on this slip of paper. May the pain, the loss and the disappointment. Rest in peace. Be
0: still, my soul, when change and tears are past. Oh, safe are you crying? In the midst of the movie, we got to one of those ooey-gooey moments, you know, kind of that cheesy, make-you-play-on-your-emotion moments. And so I looked at my new bride, and I said, are you crying? Her response was simply, no, leave me alone and i realized at that moment that was not a good thing to ask in the middle of a movie the problem is is i don't learn lessons very well and even to this day occasionally we'll be watching tv together and i'll look at her and say so are you are you crying and what i realized with my wife's help is that what i was experiencing by asking that question was basically avoiding my own emotions. There was something on that TV show or that movie that evoked an emotion within me. It created this response. And rather than allowing that emotion to exist, I tried to deflect it by making light of it. Therefore, the question is, are you crying? or I would make a joke, somehow be able to shift it so I wouldn't have to feel that sense of emotion that often accompanies when we are watching either a movie or a TV show or something like that. When we mourn something, when we grieve on something, it is most, one of the most raw emotions that we can feel. This, this sadness just seems to well up within us And unfortunately for me, it finds its expression By bringing tears into my eyes And then as they cascade over my eyelids and down my cheeks I feel vulnerable I feel uncomfortable Especially in the presence of other people I don't know who taught me, but somewhere in my growing up years, it was instilled within me that as a man, I shouldn't cry. And so I think I continue to wrestle with those emotions and those feelings. But of all the beatitudes, the one that we're looking at today, blessed are those who mourn, is the one that speaks the most to me on a very deep emotional level. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's the part that really resonates. That in the midst of this grieving, in the midst of this mourning, in the midst of all of those emotions, there will be a sense of comfort. I imagine many of us can feel that sense of comfort again in our minds as we recall when we were children and we were hurt and we ran to that caregiver for their sense of comfort to be held, to be acknowledged that we are feeling pain in our lives. That is so powerful. That sense of being comforted. But initially, this beatitude did not carry those kind of feelings for it. In fact, from the time of Jesus when he was no longer here on this earth for about 1,500 years, the most dominant way of understanding this beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, was this idea of feeling sorrow because of the sins that are in your life. That was the primary way that this Beatitude was taught, how it was preached with people. That you were to feel a sense of sorrow every time you did something wrong. And the comfort would come back to you once you acknowledged your wrong, you confessed your sins, you made atonement for them, and you received absolution. And everything was okay. You were supposed to receive A sense of comfort, knowing that you were once again right with God until you messed up, then it starts all over again. But it was during the 1500s, the early 1500s, that two individuals begin to have questions and actually fell away from their mother church. Martin Luther and John Calvin and as they begin to reexamine all the beliefs that have been taught by the Roman Catholic Church, they came to this beatitude. In this beatitude in particular, blessed are those who mourn, they saw in a new way. The way that they saw it was that what we're mourning, actually, is life itself. That life is difficult. Life is challenging. And as we go through life, we will experience different things that will impact us. And there will be times when we will feel a sense of sadness. And it will touch those nerves and those emotions within us that cause us to have that physical response of tears and a sense that things are, just aren't right in our lives anymore. That was the dominant view for some time. And then as Mark mentioned to us in his eulogy, there was a shift that began to take place a few decades ago around this beatitude. And it began to build off this idea that life can be difficult And it began to build on that and realize that as we go through life, we experience a wide variety of losses. And that was built upon the idea that all of life is temporary. There is nothing in life that is permanent. Let me say it again. Everything is temporary. Nothing lasts forever. Probably the one that we speak about most when it comes to mourning and grief is death itself. It's always amazed me that when it comes to death that we use the word lost. So-and-so, we lost so-and-so. When I was younger, I remember thinking about that, and I said, well, no, we never really lost them. We know where they are. But it's a way in which we explain the reality of those emotions, that someone that was in our life is no longer physically there, and it creates something within us. That is probably the most dominant way that we experience grief or mourning is through death. But we can also experience through estrangement when we have a relationship and that relationship no longer exists it can happen with a partner in your life it can happen with friends in your life as they come and go and you have falling outs and every time we lose a relationship and we become estranged from a person we experience a sense of loss There may be an individual right now in your life that you no longer have physical contact with. And if you allow yourself to sit with that long enough, you might begin to feel those emotions, that raw spot again in your life. That's a loss. Another form of loss that is currently impacting a large amount of individuals literally throughout the world because of the situation that has existed for the last year and a half is financial security. There are individuals who have lost jobs, who no longer have the retirement that they were planning on. That sense of losing financial security and certainty can create a great deal of sense of loss and mourning. I remember watching recently on the news an individual who was trying to raise two children, a single mom. She had lost her job. And she talked about the emotions she felt trying to once again support them, and not knowing where the money was going to come from, not only to pay for food, but to pay for rent. The other loss that frequently comes into our lives is when we have an injury or an illness, and the resulting consequences because of that. A large number of Americans literally are teetering on the edge of financial insecurity, and all it would take is one catastrophic illness or injury to push them over the edge. We think about the limits that come upon us because of those injuries and illnesses, and we're no longer able to do those things that we love to do. Another one that ties in perfectly with that is simply aging. I don't have to to talk a lot about that. You know what it's like because it's a reality that all of us are facing. No matter how young you are or how old you are, you're aging. And to be honest, that's actually a good thing. It's better to age than not age. But as you go through this aging process, you begin to feel the limits. And with it comes loss. Your body just doesn't seem to function the way that it used to. Some of you have had to give up driving. That's a huge loss of independence. Some of you can't do the things that you once enjoyed doing. That's a form of grief that we experience inside. Other people feel a sense of loss when it comes to institutions. The place that you worked, you hope they treat you well, but when they don't, it creates a sense of loss. Why aren't they valuing me for who I am? Unfortunately, a lot of individuals experience loss when it comes to the institution of church, religious gatherings. We have certain expectations about what that ought to feel like, what that ought to be like. And when it doesn't meet those expectations, we feel a sense of loss. When there's conflict within churches, we feel a sense of loss as we watch people walk away People that were a part of our lives are no longer present. And then there's losses that we experience because we personally have chosen them. When we relinquish something, when we choose to no longer have something in our lives, probably the easiest one to think about is smoking, drinking, drugs, drugs, they can provide such a, a comfort, a way of dealing with our emotions. And when we set those aside, it can leave us feeling a sense of loss within ourselves, this emptiness that just has this void that what, what is going to replace it? You see, we experience loss throughout life. Every day, you're losing something. And every day, there's a rebirth, something new coming into your life. And the reason why I think we have so much difficulty when it comes to loss, especially death, is because we are so attached to various things in our lives. Think about the things that bring you joy, the things that give you a sense of meaning and purpose. And when those things are removed, it creates an unpleasant feeling in return. And our brain is wired in such a way that we seek pleasure. And one of the things that we find pleasurable is consistency. That's why there's so much stress when we make major changes in our life. A new job, a new relationship. All of these come into play. And we don't wanna lose what it is that gives us pleasure. I love to ride my motorcycle. It is the thing that I can get out on that, either by myself or with my wife, and just truly be present in that moment. It's almost as if, as the wind blows through my hair, it blows away all of my worries and concerns. But the thought of losing my motorcycle of selling it, or if it was stolen. I don't like that idea because I'm invested in it. I'm attached to it. And that is the number one source and cause of the sorrow that is in our lives is attachment. One individual wrote about it this way, His name is Joshua Tillman, and he says the following. One of the biggest flaws in our lives is attachment. The reason is quite simple. Our lives here on this earth are short. They're brief. And even within that brief amount of time, there is tremendous change that is happening on a daily basis nothing about our lives is permanent nothing everything is in constant state of change but as individuals we are constantly resisting this truth why because our minds attach to things we want this we want that And for a time, we may get these things, but from the very moment we get them, it is only a matter of time before we lose them. And for most of us, this loss brings suffering. Sometimes, it's tremendous suffering. This is attachment at work It doesn't matter whether it's a material object that we're attached to or Whether it is an idea About ourselves or someone else that we are attached to All material objects and even ideas That we have about ourselves and others may end up changing either during our lives or at our death. Again, Mark was very honest with us as he expressed his loss with a sense of beliefs. There are so many different ways that we can experience loss. But what accentuates those losses is our attachment and not willing to let things go the writer of the gospel of Luke understood this when you read the gospels occasionally it becomes very clear that the writer is giving an editorial comment It's almost as if they're telling a story or putting words into the mouth of Jesus, and then they kind of almost reveal their hand, let you see a little bit of the insights of of their writing. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, I believe this is one of those editorial comments that are given to us. It says, In the same way, therefore, every one of you, who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. And for the longest time, I used to think that that was about literally becoming like a monastic, living with nothing. And then I realized that this was far more than just that. What we're renouncing, what we're letting go of, is up here. It's our attachment. The reality is is every single one of us every single day is experiencing a loss, and how we deal with those losses prepare us for our ultimate loss, which is death. We are given opportunities throughout our life to experience these little deaths, these little losses. so that when death is before us, we've learned how to let go. As uncomfortable as that may seem to us right now. My daughter and her husband dropped off their kids at our house and went down to Mexico. And in return for watching the kids, I got this glass from Mexico. I came out ahead. I mean, I love being around my grandkids. And every time I use this glass with my favorite beverage, I remember my daughter, I remember my grandchildren, and unfortunately, I remember that everything is temporary. They won't always be in my life. Hopefully, it's because of my death, not theirs. And as much as I value this glass, I've come to realize that it won't always be in my life. Either when I die, I won't be aware of it anymore. I may accidentally drop it. I may accidentally hit it with my elbow sometime and it falls off and breaks and shatters. It might get stolen. It might get lost. So I have two options available to myself at this point. I can securely lock it away to try to preserve it. Never touch it again, never use it again. Occasionally look at it, but that's it. Or I can accept the reality that it's not going to last forever. And because of that, I might find a sense of comfort and value every time I see it or use it. And that's just a simple glass. What about the rest of my life? What about the rest of your life? Just because it's temporary doesn't mean that you lose its value right now. It's when we learn to no longer be attached. If you would, to have an open hand and allow things to come and go as they are supposed to, that we find the reality of that beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn because eventually you will find a sense of comfort in the impermanence of life, you can find comfort. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving Beatitudes Radio Empowering People to Enrich Society